Welcome to the Hot Lava Podcast. I'm Kevin Acey, Padres beat writer. Jay Posner sitting across from me, sports editor of the Union Tribune. Jay, we're getting down to the end. Padres' second-to-last homestand begins tonight. Three against the Rockies, four against the Chicago Cubs. Oh, boy. One of those series sounds very interesting. Well, for the Cubs? Yeah, and it's not this one. This is uh, (laughs) former manager Bud Black bringing his team back his first two years in Colorado. They were great. This year, man, they could be closing in on 100 losses. Uh, they're headed in that direction. They, Although uh, I think they're going to miss. I mean, fifty-nine and eighty-two. I I think they're going to win four games the rest of the year. But well, I, I guess know. maybe not. They they have lost nine in a row. So the, uh, the they're one of the teams the Padres have won a series against. Took three or four from them last time that they were in town. Padres will see the Rockies again in Colorado at the end of next week, uh, just like they will see Arizona twice more, <laughs> once here and, and once uh, there. Uh, That's not necessarily a good thing no, after just what got we back, just saw. Just got back from a sweep. You know, the Padres took three or four from the Giants. Then they lost. This is what the whole season's been about, actually. Right. Inconsistency. Yeah. There you go. They, um, You know, look, they even found a way to win Sunday's game where Greg Garcia was at short. Nick Martini, who, hey, way to go, Nick. You, can really, you really can hit. Not a very good outfielder. You got Josh Naylor in right field in, uh, in in Oracle Park, which is a brutal right field to play. And they didn't make any errors. And and you know, hey, that was really fantastic. And then, just horrible in Arizona in virtually every facet, except we do need to talk about Ronald Bolaños I was and say, Chris Patton. Two good pitching performances by young mm-hmm. pitchers that I'm sure they're counting on. Well, we know they're counting on Paddock Bolaños, the third Cuban to make it correct after Morahone and and Baez and he looked very good. I I didn't get to see a lot of that game but from what I saw he he looked pretty good what six solid innings. I'll tell you what. They're guys uh, that have debuted this year have a sub 2 ERA. It's like 1.85 the six debuts, you know, Pedro Avila, Cal Quantrill. I was going to uh, say it counts Logan game. Allen. It counts Logan Allen who had seven shutout innings. Right. And last year if I remember there was Jacob Nix. Jacob Nix was uh, very was good. very good but in their debut. A lot, so. but you know, Lucchese and Lauer, you know, Lauer yeah. not. Anyway, it's 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 impressive what this Ronald Bolaños comes in, and there were no errors in his first inning, but there should have been. But there were, yeah, and and <laughs> only because of the dumb scoring rule, yes. basically, yeah, and. Just like, I guess, the night before, Cal Quantrill, same thing, had been uh, victimized mm-hmm. by. Uh, uh, but anyway, the point is, his defense let him down. He maybe should have. He should have allowed one run, not two whatever rookie and he was really excellent the rest of the way this kid I don't know if this is how he's always going to pitch but he'll throw 88 and then 95 and then he'll throw a a 69 mile an hour curve I guess it is it sort of looks like a slider his velocity is all over the place and with the command that he has and that mindset I mean look all these Cuban guys come in and only thing I know about him right away they carry themselves like big leaguers. Uh, and uh, there is something to be said about say, that, that when you're on the mound. Right. And I think that's something to transform into or uh, segue into Chris Paddock, mm-hmm. who has carried himself like a big leaguer pretty much all year. Like we talked a little bit about that Red Sox game where he got down and you could tell his body language. He, he kind of looked defeated. But he's come back since then. Really good outing against the Giants and a really good outing against Arizona this week. So, again, good good signs if if you're the Padres in terms of their young pitchers going forward and especially Paddock who's been up here all year who you know I think going into next year you have to say look I was talking with Darren Balsley this week there are like 15 aces in the league okay there are okay and you know yeah. there are 30 teams yeah and you know what the Astros have you know two or three of them mm-hmm. so 
But if you're going to be looking at the top of the rotation next year, the guy that you're saying it is is Chris Paddock. Could it be Denelson LeMet? Sure. Going to write about that tonight. Uh, the Padres will try to get an actual number one or mm-hmm. someone up there. But Chris Paddock has carried himself like an ace. And here's why I want to say that it's important what he's done the last two starts after that, that uh, Red Sox uh, outing. Chris Paddock came in talking like a pro, right? And oh, norm- yeah. most of the time, veterans will be like, shut up, kid. But there was something about him where they were like, you know what? And it, first of all, it was the way he pitched. Yeah. Uh, but also that he believes it. So he goes out, and it's important. He makes no bones about it. it's important to him to finally pitch on a Friday night at home <laughs> against the Red Sox. Uh-huh. I mean, Chris Paddock says these these outlandish things, and then he's embarrassed. He's humiliated. And he bounces back with these two like he has pretty much done every time. When the Dodgers got on him, right. he bounced back. I that is impressive for a 23-year-old kid rather than, you know, look, all the respect in the world for anybody who makes the majors, first of all, but what Eric Lauer and, and Joey Lucchese do with their stuff, relatively speaking. Mm-hmm. But these guys go through bouts of, like, not believing in themselves. Chris Paddock does not. Right. right. And, and that is a huge part, from my understanding, of being an ace. Now, fortunately for the Padres, because, like, I could think I was an ace and it wouldn't matter, right? He's also got really good stuff. You are an ace, Kevin, just in your field. Okay, let's just let that be said right away. Okay. So that's uh, I don't want to. I didn't want that to be kind of like underestimated because you know, look, sometimes in my position, uh, you make a big deal out of things that aren't really a big deal because look, you got to write about baseball 180 days a year. You're going to do that. I want to make like this is one of those things that's a little thing that was a big thing. And since wins and losses don't matter at this point, it's all we have, Jay. Let's move on. Will we see Bolaños against the Cubs? Hopefully. I believe that we will. We get another that, uh, start. Then? Andy uh, indicated that uh, that there at would this be point in start. time. At this point in time, the plan is to uh, give him another start. Okay, I I did read last night, and hopefully uh, everyone that's listening to this has read it uh, to this point, or or they will go and and read what you wrote last night about whether Andy Green would be back as the manager, and it did mention at this point in time as one of his Greenisms, I believe, was how you put it, but. Uh, for those who didn't read it, what did what did you write about Andy Green, Kevin? Is he going to be the manager next year? Well, I think uh, the strongest that I got was that uh, there are there are hints from the people that I talked to that, and this is you know look been doing this hints a long that time, he will be that he will be back that I've been doing this a long time and there's there you know you gave me the uh, the freedom as you you do sometimes to write an analysis right it was news based mm-hmm. it had news in there. It wasn't necessarily my opinion, but you gave me some leeway to throw in things like there there are hints and and things like that. I believe he will be back. What they are looking at, regard and why is it even a question? Well, next year's a really big year, and they're disappointed in this season, and they want to make sure that they have it right, and they want to make sure they got all their boxes checked for Andy, for some of the guys on the field, for some of the coaches, uh, you know, heck, some guys in the personnel department, uh, and they don't want to be boxed in. Uh, as hard as I tried to saying anything right now, as Ron Fowler did last year, I think because he thought it was so ridiculous last year that people were talking about it. But, uh, you know, I believe he's going to be back, but they are, for, for reasons that we basically have to accept, they're going to wait till the end of the year to say that. Let me ask you a question. You said something in there. You said they're disappointed in this season. Should they be disappointed in this season, given what they gave Andy Green and Darren Balsley and his staff to work with this year? I could probably make an argument that this is about what they sh- should have expected. 
to be in the let's say they finish with I don't know I think they're on pace for 75 74 75 wins something like that I figured for them to be in the mid 70s maybe if everything went well and after they signed Machado maybe maybe you know 77 or 78 but at the same time some of this time they really haven't been like all out in trying to win I mean that has not been their primary goal during a lot of this time we've talked about it many times so should they be disappointed or should they realize wait a minute and you address this a little bit in your in your piece that look this is what we gave them to work with and we probably played above our heads in the first half of the season at 45 and 45 had this terrible stretch of three weeks after the all-star break and since then back to the same kind of 500 type of type of team it was a really good point that you made i think you made it on the last podcast was this season really went south over three weeks. Since that three weeks, they're back at basically 500 before this sweep right. that they just suffered. And before that, obviously, they were 45 and 45 going into the break. No, Jay, I mean, and as you said, I, I pointed this out, what they did and did not give Andy Green and his staff. And I think big picture, you could say they can step back and say, yes, we were. Look, they were telling me that at the time they were three games above 500. Right. This isn't going to last, okay? I mean, you know, if it does, then we'll do something about it, but it's not going to. So they're not surprised by this. However, if you go down to it, you can say, well, Will Myers, well, Hunter Renfro, you know, well, this pitcher or this pitcher hasn't come. So which bring, they just want to make sure that they've got it right. And that and that brings me to my other question, which is that guys like Will Myers and Hunter Renfro and to an extent Manuel Margot, to an extent Austin Hedges, Francisco Mejia, some of these guys who have been disappointments either at times uh, or for extended periods of times, you know, Renfro certainly the last month or two, Myers most of the season uh, after a good start. How much of that, and this is where I think I differ from a lot of people who immediately in every sport just blame a coach, Mm -hmm. and how much of that is on Andy Green and his staff, and I assume the staff was mostly picked by the front office, not just by Andy Green, well, or this maybe staff a combination. Right, now right, is very Andy Green. Okay, for, for I would say for the first time he has more of like his guys. Okay, but, yes. that's fair. But how much of it? How much of Hunter Renfro and Will Myers sucking for good chunks of this season is on Andy Green and Johnny Washington and Skip Schumacher and whoever else is on the staff? And how much is just? on the fact that Hunter Renfro and Will Myers didn't live up to expectations, or maybe that's on the front office because they overvalued, you know, these these players. And I think that's probably a lot of what they're talking about. And it's it's a little too there might be a little nuance in there, but what what is your what are your thoughts on that? Well, it's I, I included a quote while Ron Fowler did not want to discuss uh, this time around the, all of the, the nuance. Last year, he said, it is difficult to teach these guys this at the major league level. And that's something that they've acknowledged all along. And which is why they are excited for some of the prospects coming up now that are getting their whole, you know, don't swing at spin, you know, uh, first pitch, uh, you know, layoff of this, you know, on base. Well, Hunter Renfro didn't. Austin Hedges didn't. Will Myers didn't. They're all, yes, they're being taught now by Johnny Washington, Damian Easley. To some extent, Andy Green has some uh, say in there. But they're also doing that while facing Max Scherzer, Walker Bueller. I mean, this is stuff that a lot of them should have learned already. And so I don't know how 
you put that on Andy Green and his staff. Well, that's the thing. I mean, is the question is is the is the failure of somebody like that if you're teaching somebody like that and you're saying don't do this, don't do this, don't do this, <laughs> and then they do it anyway, is that failure on you? Because look, that happens with people on my staff. I, I've sent out. You've seen these memos. I've sent out memos. When you're doing something like, I'll say, here, posting a story on the internet and getting it ready for the editors to look at, you're supposed to do a couple different things. There are still people on the staff that there's one or two things they still don't do, and I've told them over and over and over again. So is that on me that I suck, or is that on them that that they don't listen? And and where does the blame fall on on something well, like that? Well, I would say, that? as uh, you know, Maybe for somebody listening that has never been in a supervisorial position like yourself, they just want you to fire that person and bring in a new person right away. Or, because... have, so, or have me fired. <laughs> yeah, or have... have me fired and bring in someone because if, 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 if writer X is not going to listen to me, then the, the automatic assumption is, oh, well, he'll listen to the next person. And I think that's where everybody is on Andy Green. And I'm, we've talked before. Maybe change is needed. Maybe that, mm-hmm. there comes a point where you know, you've got to, you've got to make a change. I I don't know if that point is now. I I still don't think Andy Green's been given a team over four years that has been a team that is, that should win basically more than 77, 78 games uh, a year. And so again, is it, is it on the guy who's there now and and the next guy you bring in, oh my God, if the next guy you bring in, all of a sudden Hunter Renfro is going to turn into the Hunter Renfro for the first half of the season. Well, Andy Green and Johnny Washington and Damian Easley were all here when Hunter Renfro was doing really well. And now they're here when Hunter Renfro's not doing really well. So how much of it's on them? How much of it's on Hunter Renfro? And and he's just one example. Yes. I will say this. One thing I thought of while you were talking is I firmly believe – Ron Fowler and Peter Seidler, A.J. Preller, didn't think the problem was Bud Black. It was time to make a change. Right, right. I mean, I don't think they thought, you know what, this guy, he's really bringing everybody down. Yeah. It was time to make a change. Now, circumstances are somewhat different now. However, maybe that will be the case. Yeah. And maybe that's why they're not, you're being so secretive right now. I, I, again, I got the indication that the guy will be back. I can't say I would even blame them if they said, I, I mean, look, I, I don't care one way or the other. I've never met Andy Green. I've never met A.J. Preller. I've, I've, I know Ron Fowler a little bit. I've met Peter Seidler one time, uh, had a nice conversation with him. What, it's their team. Whatever they want to do with their team, I think, is fine. I don't think it's an easy call because I don't, I don't know if Andy Green's a good manager or not because I don't know everything. I've said this many times, and I know – People have automatically said, oh, no, he's a terrible manager. Based on what? There's so much that's gone on behind the scenes that we know about and don't know about. I don't know if it is. But there might also be a point where you say, you know what, we got to do something different. And obviously, teams like the you pointed out in your story, Terry Collins, the Mets said, no, we're going to keep him around. Ned Yost, the Royals, said the same thing. In Houston, they went through a bunch. <laughs> they went through a bunch of guys. In Chicago with the Cubs, they went through a bunch of guys. I don't know that there's a right a right or wrong answer. I know a lot of people out there think it's an easy answer what to do, but I don't think there's any guarantee that the next guy they bring in, and I really don't think it's going to be Bruce Bochy, despite the fact that's what everyone wants. And that's the same Bruce Bochy that we talked last time. 
I thought it wasn't a terrible move when they got rid of Bruce Brotsy the last time because of the, what we talked about. At that point, it felt like it was time to make a change. And a lot of people who are calling for Andy Green's scalp right now thought the same thing. Whoever is the next manager has to win. Although and the new a new manager will get a little bit more of a leash than Andy Green will. I mean, without a doubt, because you're not going right. to bring you're not going to bring in a new manager, and whoever it May. is, and right, and and right. fire him after 40 games. You might fire Andy Green after 40 games because of right. But also, the clock on AJ Preller accelerates, and that was my next faster point that I wanted to get into manager. is how much how much of this and what and this is another story for you. To, to work on is where does the GM start to fall in on this? Look, the system's great. They've got all these guys that have been great. They've had guys come up. Look, he traded for Tatis and Paddock, two guys who are stars in the making, if not already there. You know, Andres Munoz has been uh, has been tremendous. Um, I found it interesting listening to AJ this morning on the on the radio on 97.3 he was asked about like going forward you know kind of you know you've still got questions and he sort of rattled off well you know we're set at shortstop with Tatis we're set at the corners with Machado and Hosmer and then he kind of stopped like you know what yeah you're not really you're not really set anywhere else are you and and he didn't he sort of kept talking. I mean, he, he has this great way, oh, I does. mentioned to you, he has this great way of not answering something that he doesn't want to answer. And he, he did a great job on this interview of only you, talking about what he wanted to talk you about. You should be on a, a one-on-one phone call with him because the amount of times where you've, you're like, oh my gosh, an answer's coming. He pauses for a beat and boom, goes right back into saying nothing. You're like, he caught himself from saying something. Right. But he does say the word again came up quite a bit I didn't notice one of those speech things oh, that we yeah, all have absolutely. and again was was his but look I, I'm not I'm not blaming Preller for an interview like that I mean he should say what he wants to say and he's not going to say anything that he doesn't want people to know publicly but I found that very interesting that he got three positions mm-hmm. out of eight and he and he had to stop and he, there was no one in the outfield no one at second base and obviously no one behind the there plate. is and there is the number one disappointment in the season because they thought Center field, good. Right. At least one outfield spot, and we think both corners, good. And even as uh, recently as the All-Star break, two outfield spots, we're good. Right. Okay? Even if we give up on Will Myers. Yeah. Catcher, promising. We Okay. Nope. So <laughs> that was about as honest as you you, you know you get right And there. it was a good question. I don't know which guy asked it. I think it was Stephen Woods who asked the question and said, is it fair to say you, have mo- you might have more questions now than you had before? And I think AJ started to answer and say, "No, no, no, that's not the case." And he he mentioned these guys, but if you he never admitted there were more questions. In fact, he said, "Oh, I don't think that's the case." But if you look at it, there's just as many questions. So that's three out of eight positions. Exactly that, and and obviously the rotation isn't, uh, you know, isn't completely set. I like either. the rotation. I don't like the rotation as someone that's as a team that's going to contend. I, you know, I would agree. I you've do think you've got to have another arm top of the rotation right and i don't think i i think garrett richards is from an ability standpoint garrett mm-hmm. richards is that guy but you can't go into next season that's the point and say garrett richards is our ace our number one starter because he's going to be on that same limit i mean chris paddock has not thrown more than 97 pitches in a game and this season there's a difference in that garrett richards is going to be 31 or 32 has been through this before look at what denelson lamette and how he was going to come back True. but you are correct we are not going to be seen there's there's not the uh 
capacity for like three complete games out of Garrett Richards next year. Right, right. No, you're, you're not going to see that. Look, if Richards works out and Lamette works out and Paddock works out, that's three, that's three pretty good here's what guys a team, right there. Here's what a team that is about to have its ninth straight team, team record tying, and that would be the first nine years of existence. Correct. Team record tying ninth straight losing or um, yeah, yeah, losing, losing season. season. Yes. Not even non-winning. Losing. Can't afford. If. Right. You just, I mean, if. You're not, wait a minute. This whole rebuild was not to catch lightning in a bottle. That, which is what the Padres have done over 50 years of existence. The whole thing was, no, this roster, a limit. This is basically an AJism. Fewer questions. Yeah. Fewer questions. But that's not the case right now. They still have too many ifs to, for, you know, to me, for where they stand yeah. right now. Big offseason coming. Big they off have season. huge. But they got 51 guys, or is it 50, on the 40-man roster right now. Okay. And they've got a few to add. Next year, the list of guys to add, and my mind is blanked, but it's big. Mm-hmm. Okay, so they got these. They have guys they need to unload. It's a matter of finally, and I don't mean it like oh AJ's been dragging his feet, but I mean it, finally, it's time to move some people and get some people. Like maybe some of the moves they were trying for outfielders in uh, at the trade deadline come to pass in the off season. Right. That's so. There's a big off season ahead, and I was assured again yesterday. We will get a pitcher. Now, what that meant is we will try very hard to get a pitcher. Well, I mean, I think you're going to, you, you might have to overpay. And, and by overpay, you might have to overpay in terms of prospects that you give up. Mm-hmm. But part of that is because, as you said, they need to clear some space. You might have to overpay in turn. I, I see them overpaying more in a trade than I do mm-hmm. overpaying for a free agent pitcher. Like I've seen people say, oh, we, you know, the Padres have to go out and get Garrett Cole. I don't think the Padres are going to get Garrett Cole. There are there are teams that have you know in huge market type teams that are going to in position to win right away that I would think Garrett Cole would want to go play for, uh, and and I'm not sure I'm a big fan of giving pitchers the kind of money that Garrett Cole is going to get anyway. There's a chance I think is it Strasburg that could opt out mm-hmm. uh, of his deal, yeah. but again these guys are all going to cost a ton of money, and I'm not saying the Padres don't have it because I think. Any team has it. The question is: Is it wisely spent that way, or is it? And is there even a possibility that you're going to get a guy like that, or are they going to go someplace where they feel like, hey, I can go pitch for the Dodgers or the Yankees or the Red Sox or, you know, that sort Whereas of. Whereas they can get an arm via trade by, you know, for lack of a better term, overpaying with a surplus of prospects. Correct. And. You're At least it about, seems like a surplus of prospects, talking, certainly among pitchers when you factor in guys like Gore and Patino. And I'm not saying they're going to trade no. Gore and Patino, but you can trade other guys because you have those guys. Right. Maybe it's a Michelle Bias. And then some of your, you know, it's I think it's pretty widely considered that the Padres' top 40 are equal to other teams, you know, top 30. So maybe it's somebody that we don't, isn't even really on our radar. Right. And a, and a Ty France. I mean, or I don't know, but it's there is this opportunity, and I've been told repeatedly the package or the trades they make will be like two and three for one deals, right? Because they have a forty-man roster crunch. Yeah. That's a story that's coming soon. No, and that makes perfect that makes perfect I sense also, in this case. Last guy I want to say is and I'm going to write about it tonight. Um, Denelson Lamette. Mm-hmm. That's ace stuff, but he's yeah. not an ace, right? He hasn't done it yet. Yeah. Basically, he's in his second season for goodness' sake. Yeah, and there are times. 
the beauty of Denelson Lament, the reason it's ace stuff is he looks out there like he wants to kill you. Like, you know, he wants to fight you at mm-hmm. least, right? This is a guy who didn't want to have Tommy John surgery. I can pitch through this. And his slider, whoo, his learning how to use his fastball, that he's got a curve also that people are starting to swing and miss at. So the stuff is there. And this, um, the strikeout stuff and the confidence, when he puts two people on, which the reason I'm saying he's not an ace is he often does, right. he can get out of it. Mm-hmm. When other guys put two guys on, Come on. I don't want to name anybody, but we're going, oh, boy. Yeah. This inning, I get a text from Jay. This inning's going to go south. And you're usually right. <laughs> okay? So, Denelson Lamette could be that guy, but I still, I apply the Garrett Richards, you know, you don't say if. Oh, if, if. Nope. They're And that's why I really do believe they are going to try to get a pitcher to put at the top of their rotation. Right. And I think Mackenzie Gore, from everything I've seen and everything you've read, could be that guy. But... I'm not willing to say he's going to be that guy until 2022. He might be on the Padres sometime next year. He certainly figures to be on the Padres in 2021. But I don't see him being an ace or even giving him, putting that on him until 2022. I mean, just from his age and his inexperience and, and the fact that he basically missed a lot of last year, don't, don't put that on the kid at that point. So you need somebody in the next year or two to be at the top of the rotation. Yep. So, All right. Well, that was fun. That was good, Kevin. It's always right. good to have you in here. Rocky's and, uh, coming up. Rocky's this weekend. The Cubs Forgive us for week. not really breaking down the Rockies-Padres <laughs> yeah. series, so, but it will be Denelson Lamette, Joey Lucchese, Eric Lauer. Right, against three guys who aren't very good for the Rockies, the Rockies, but at least one of them will shut down the Padres, right? Uh, anyway, everybody have a good weekend. We will talk to you again on Monday. Thank you very much.